Hello, friends, and welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, RotoWire's signature fantasy hockey show. I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follower to AJ Scholes, 2 4, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near RotoWire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. Partner, it's been a very mild winter out by me. How about you? What are, what's the weather like these days? It's been up and down. Uh, had heavy snows and then nothing. We're, uh, we've been in about 40s the last couple of days, but we're uh, potentially going to get hit with some pretty heavy snow uh, tonight, tomorrow, uh, into Thursday. So, well, yeah, been a pretty up and down winter, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I have I have only broken out my shovel two or three times all winter long. That's a record low for me. And uh, the prospects are for that sort of thing to continue. It's a sunny day, no snow on the yard or driveway at all. So I'm really loving this. And I'm also loving the fact that we have a trade to talk about, AJ, off the top. It's the second involving a big-name player, one we expected to move. And, in fact, it happened. So uh, why don't you break uh, – Break the news for our listeners on the show. The Leafs and Blues and Minnesota, with a little bit of help involved, what are the details of the deal that you saw come down as I did last week? I assumed you meant the Tyler Mott uh, deal to go to the Rangers for uh, (laughs) Julian Geithler and a a seventh-round pick. No. uh, So, yeah. So, (laughs) three-team trade here. uh, Ryan O'Reilly going to Minnesota. Um, the issue being that Minnesota wasn't uh, able to re- uh, take on all of that salary. And so you'll see uh, he spent all of uh, two hours, two, three hours, technically within the, the Minnesota organization as they take on, uh, I believe it's 25% of his cap hit. And so they uh, are going to get a 2025 fourth round pick for that. They did end up tossing a prospect, uh, some signing rights for, for a minor guy that Minnesota will also get in addition to O'Reilly, Josh Pilar. And then uh, St. Louis uh, gets uh, – uh, they also got uh, Noel Asari from Le- – Le- You're saying Minnesota did. The Leafs got him, pal. Correct. Yeah, correct. <laughs> the Leafs also, in addition to O'Reilly and Pilar, also got uh, Noel Asari, kind of a depth player there. St. Louis's return is the big haul here. Um, they get Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov, who uh, has been dealing with some health issues, uh, thinks might be starting to play or getting close to playing, if I'm thinking about the right player. Uh, a first-round pick in 2023, a third-round pick in 2023, and a second-round pick in 2024. So uh, a lot of picks going to St. Louis, some minor players for them. Um, but really, for the most part, uh, this was O'Reilly uh, for picks is how I would kind of describe this deal. Well, and and given a little bit more uh, air to the Toronto side of it, they're not sure what they're going to do with Ryan O'Reilly, AJ. And right now he's playing in the top six and they moved John Tavares over to the wing, which I found was a curious situation. I think what you're eventually going to see is he's going to wind up on a third line. They're trying to stretch the lineup. And, and really it makes sense. That makes sense to me because the, 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 thing that has killed them in recent playoff losses against teams like Boston and Tampa is that their bottom six just doesn't add up to what those teams uh, throw their way. So I think stretching the Leaf roster is, is one of the things they're after. They get one of the guys who's regularly in the 
the conversation for the best a defensive forward in the league and also a guy who's won the con Smythe. And then Noel Achari is a guy I know a little bit about AJ seeing the Leafs and Bruins tangle so much when he was there. He was a real pest on in a bottom six role, a physical guy who has some scoring upside. He's already scored his first goal with the Maple Leafs, in fact. And so that's where I think the Leafs were focused on helping their bottom six and certainly boosting their forward ranks uh, for the playoffs and stretch run and the eventual matchup, it looks like, against the Tampa club. In terms of what St. Louis got, they got the minor league players that you talked about. Gaudet has been around the league for a while, the NHL up and down with Vancouver in the past. And Abramoff is a guy who has some upside when healthy. He's been a, sco- a good scorer with the Marlies. And I think that St. Louis will look to him to be a bottom six player in their mix in next year, probably. And then the whole host of draft picks, they got, including another first rounder that goes out the door for Toronto in what looks to be a very deep draft coming up in the NHL. And you'll see a lot more first round picks going in the next week or so in other deals, I'm sure, because the bottom feeders and non-playoff teams really want to get into that that draft. Uh, it's a deep one and a long one. And I figure there's at least 20 players in the first round with surefire major league potential uh, in the mix. Uh, so uh, highly sought after values there. And uh, I think it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of some of the players that we'll see in uh, trade talks heating up in the next week, AJ. A week from now, I'm sure we'll have a whole slew of deals to talk about. But this is the second big one. And on the heels of this, though, I, I talked to you about uh, off the air about the reaction of one of the key newsbreakers in the NHL. I won't get his name. I don't want to embarrass him. But a week before the deal, he says, oh, Ryan O'Reilly's a guy that's going to be highly sought after and he'd be one of the big fish and really should be a target for contending teams. Then, after playing two games with the Leafs, the same guy comes out and says, oh, they may have made a big mistake here. He looks really slow and I don't know if he's going to fit in. And just, you know, I expect this from from fans of the team that, that don't watch the games every day, but not a guy who is one of the leading experts, they say, in terms of evaluating players. How do you... How do you react if if you see a deal? You don't make an opinion on it after a day, a game or two, do you? You want to see it play out a little bit, I would think. Well, I especially don't make an opinion when you've had a guy that missed, you know, 14 games an entire month of January due to injury. Like, so, of course, yeah, he might be a little slow right now. Um, he's, you know, just five games back from having, a, when you factor in the all-star break, you know, O'Reilly was off for a month and a half with an injury. So yeah, I would expect him to be a little slow, but um, to your point, Paul, I, for any of these trades that are, um, you know, rentals, you know, regardless of whether they end up signing him to an extension or whatever, for now, O'Reilly's on an expiring contract, which makes him a rental. And the only way that I truly evaluate any sort of rental deal is uh, if the, you know, how it pays off in the postseason. Cause that's why you, that's why you buy these guys. That's why you bring them in. <laughs> Uh, obviously if they re-sign them, the deal shape, you know, changes a little bit in the fact that you got this player that's going to be on your team long-term. But I think still, uh, the fact remains, you know, same thing with, with Tarasenko. I mean, you evaluate his performance with the Rangers now based on, you know, what he does and how he helps them in, in the playoffs here. Um, I, I would add in there, um, you know, uh, Bo Horvat, of course, the Islanders had a bit of a blow there. We'll get into that injury wise uh, that could complicate that deal as well. But they signed Horvat to a long term extension. 
but I still evaluate that deal for this year as having been a rental uh, with an option to buy. Let's call it that way with, yeah. with Bo Horvat here. So yeah. you got to see how they do in the, the postseason. Does he help the Islanders make the playoffs? I mean, that's question number one. Yeah. So I think taking the longer view is, is the right thing to do, AJ. And for people that are getting bent out of shape with early returns or non-returns of any players that move, I agree with you and echo that sentiment. Be patient and reevaluate things at the end of the playoff or at the end of the regular season if your team doesn't make the playoff and see how you think feel there. And, you know, we've also got all these draft picks moving too. So there's a longer view in store for some of the teams that are getting these picks as well. So that's a bit of a taste for, of our t- trade deadline uh, review that's going to be a week or so down the road. And uh, we've had a couple of deals already, but there's going to be no shortage of other players moving. But we want to get back to our regular routine. We strayed away from it the last time you were with us, and we, we also were off a week. So let's get back into the routine of AJ, of taking a sweep through the 32 teams in the league. There's plenty of storylines with all of them. And I'm going to let you kick us off with a look at what's going on with the Anaheim Ducks in the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, they stink. They still stink. <laughs> they stunk before. They'll stink again. Um, yeah, you know, this is, you know, it's um, you look at, you know, shots allowed per game. Uh, the Ducks are the worst in the league at, at 39 and a half shots allowed per game. That's an astronomical amount of pucks to be letting through to uh, their netminders here. Primarily uh, John Gibson, Lucas Dostal uh, will probably go tonight, but you know, it's it's really hard to blame John Gibson for a lot of these losses. Like, yes, he's lost, uh, looks like five, you know, five straight games here. Oh, three and two is the record. Gave up six goals, seven goals, five, four. Um, but he also faced, you know, over that stretch, one of those games was under 40 shots. In fact, he faced 59 shots against the Penguins, gave up six goals, you factor that in, that save percentage is actually not terrible. It's 898, just right around 900. Um, same for their most recent game against Florida. It gives up four goals, but he faced 55 shots. That's a 927 save percentage. Like, it's really hard to blame uh, John Gibson or, or Dostal, like for giving up games here. So um, really, you know, it's going to be – that would be the key thing that I would think that they need to figure out how to work on next year is limiting – shots playing a little more solid um, defensively here in order to get uh, to get those those shot totals down um, I would expect you know maybe a team comes calling about a Derek Grant um, somebody trying to bolster their bottom six he's going to be UFA next year won't cost a whole lot here um, if somebody's looking for a big name maybe somebody would go after John Klingberg or the slightly cheaper Kevin Shattenkirk both expected to be free agents next year, at least as it stands now. So there's some players that would offer some intrigue, um, but also, you know, some risk here. Obviously, Shattenkirk has had some really bad seasons over, you know, over the years uh, in and out of whether he's good or not. Um, Klingberg, you know, 47 points in 74 games last year. He's only got 22 points to start this year. But again, how much of that is the team around him? So, um, I think there's some options here that we could see moved at the deadline and, and how much uh, cap space they're willing to retain and to bolster their picks uh, and go from there. Well, Arizona's in the same boat, AJ, but they've performed very admirably over the last 14 games. They've only lost three games in regulation, so they've gotten points in a lot of them, maybe screwing up their potential for, for finishing near the rock bottom of the standings. But they've had a bit of a pop, and a large part of it has been due to the fact that they have a 
uh, uncovered a second goalie that they can trust. Carol Vemelka has been hero- nothing short of heroic for this team much of the year. And really, in a lot of highlight reels, for all, all good reasons, for much of the year with some big saves. But uh, even he couldn't stem the tide to keep this team in a playoff hunt. But Connor Ingram is the guy I wanted to highlight, AJ. He's been injured for much of the season. And he's been given a shot now in the last three or four weeks and really picked up his game and almost taken the load away from from Vimelka. Uh, consider last week, he appeared, in, he appeared in three games, won two of them, only two goals against and a shutout included. So maybe they have something going on in the nets, but certainly it's it's buoyed the team's fortunes up front as well. Over in Boston, uh, they continue to be the talk of the, the Atlantic here. Um, you know, they're on a four-game winning streak. There was a little bit of a dip there. This team is downright unbeatable at home. Their record right now, 24-2-3. and three. Um, So even if they lose, more, more often than not, they're getting at least a point. The goal differential on this club is plus 92, which is just astronomical. You look at the next closest, I think, is in the 40s. Um, both Carolina and uh, Toronto are at plus 41, Devils plus 46. So, this team is just outpacing everybody around them, and they're trying to get better. I, I saw recently um, that they are looking to try and make some cap space to uh, potentially by shopping uh, Craig Smith, and then that would let them bring in uh, Columbus's Vladislav Gavrikov, who's been sitting as a healthy scratch in, in you know preparation for being traded. So he's been linked to Boston most recently, um, but it does depend on them finding somebody – uh, mo- most likely to take on Craig Smith's contract here, which is a pretty uh, pretty big one for them. So if they can get that off the books, uh, Craig Smith coming in at about three point one uh, million on the year. So they're uh, trying to make this already good team even better. Well, and in Buffalo, it's it seems like the offense certainly has come come together for this club. They're one of the top scoring teams in the league. A lot of youngsters making an impact. They already have four 20-goal shooters, five 20-goal shooters. A quick look at the scoring for this team with the way it's distributed. And uh, four of them are very young players. Victor Olofsson, Dylan Cousins, Jeff Skinner is the old, only older one, Alex Tuck, and, and, of course, Tate Thompson leading the pack with 36. So they're finding a lot of offense. They've got to shore things up, though, defensively. In the Nets, I still think they're relying too heavily on Craig Anderson. He's given way, though, to Uka Pekalaukan and finally getting some reps. And even Eric Comrie, they've got three guys in the mix in the goaltending situation, trying to find an answer there that's more long-term. Certainly, Craig Anderson probably doesn't figure to be with the club as a long-term piece as he's around 40 years of age. And uh, uh, on the defense, Rasmus Dahlin continues to pile up points, AJ, and he's, he's a, a threat to go off every night offensively. Uh, and in the conversation for the Norris Trophy. So they've got some things to be pretty excited about, but uh, not the least of which is their their offense has come together. They've got a very exciting young team. Dylan Cousins signed a long-term contract recently, so they've committed to him, and the pedigree has been there for a while. I remember watching this guy in junior hockey in Canada, and he has exploded offensively this season and hit the pay window hard with a better than a $7 million cap hit over the next several years. So... Good on him, but Jay, guys like J.J. Paterka, Casey Middlestat, Jack Quinn, and Peyton Krebs, that's four or five other guys that are waiting in the wings to explode, but they certainly have the offensive pedigree right through this lineup. They can ice three solid forward lines, and that's a luxury that not too many teams in the league can say right now. The story in Carolina has been the net minding of late, uh, and all credit there 
maybe not all, but most of the credit there goes to Freddie Anderson. Since returning from a long-term injury absence, he's made 10 starts and gone 8-1-0 along the way here. Has been really consistent. couple of stinkers in there. Gave up five goals to the Rangers, four goals to the Kings, although they bailed him out on that game against the Kings. Still ended up with the victory there. In terms of the offensive side, I have to, of course, mention that Jesperi Kotkanemi had three goals in their last four games because Paul <laughs> is anti-Kotkanemi. Um, so they're they're looking um, you know pretty good over the last two weeks. They're getting scoring pretty much throughout the lineup. Seth Jarvis had three goals. Paul Stastny getting in on it, two goals there. Um, so they're they're getting production kind of across the board. They're not overly reliant on any one um, part of the the offense here, and, and they're looking really good. It's why they're sitting atop uh, the Metropolitan here, nine one and zero in their last ten. And uh, they look set to kind of just cruise. The Devils will obviously make things hard for them, but uh, I think New Jersey is probably going to have to make a push here pretty quick if they're going to avoid letting Carolina run away with this one. And in Calgary, they're fanning their playoff hopes in the last little while. They're winning more than they're losing, but they haven't really gone off on a streak for a long while, AJ. And that's what they need, I guess, to really thrust themselves into a more solid playoff footing. Right now, they're on the outside looking in. And they seem to be really committed to Jacob Markstrom. Uh, oddly, he's been outplayed much of the season by Dan Blatter, uh, the backup goalie. But they've got a lot of money invested in in uh, Markstrom, and they they know that there's a pedigree there of a solid playoff performer. But I think he's still spooked from the series loss against Edmonton, where they blitzed him last year. He hasn't really been the same guy. The goals against him average is way higher than it's been in the past. And despite the additional reps, I'm not seeing an improvement. Uh, to his norm for, for his career. So they've got a dilemma in the Nets. But in the meantime, they're one of these t- other teams that have iced uh, the ability to ice three strong forward lines. Michael Backlund has been a key to that success on the third line. They've moved Don Japani down to be a, one of his wingers and Blake Coleman rounding that out. That's a pretty nice looking third unit behind a, a top six that is also pretty formidable. Uh, a surprise addition most recently is Jacob Peltier uh, in there and Jonathan Huberdeau and his agent have been in, in the news, too, because his agent's been mouthing off about uh, things not really going their way and, and uh, Huberdeau not being uh, totally comfortable yet. And it's been most of the season that's been that way. He's going to be way off his 115 points that he got last year, and that's, that's a real disappointment uh, that I didn't for, foresee, AJ. I thought that he would continue doing what he's doing. But uh, he's, hap- he's happy that, that they are uh, a team that has a chance to go playoff hunting because other people have picked up the slack. Tyler Toffoli, for instance, enjoying a career season, uh, career best season right now. He's had an experience winning the Cup with Coach Sutter, and I think he's very, he, on the other hand, is very comfortable. So it's funny how some players are comfortable with, with a certain coach, other players are not. We're seeing that under the same roof in Calgary right now, and it's, it's caused some issues. Well, over in Chicago, the question has shifted to whether or not this would be uh, potentially tonight uh, Kane's, uh, Patrick Kane's last home game in a Chicago Blackhawks sweater. Uh, the trade deadline is March 3rd. They do have a game March 2nd at home, um, but that's it. It's today and March 2nd, two games before the deadline. The kind of tricky factor here is we had recently uh, reported over at rotowire.com that uh, Patrick Kane was mostly interested in going to either the Leafs or the Rangers. Both those teams have made moves to add in 
guys of similar profile uh, in terms of veterans on expiring contracts. In the case of uh, Tarasenko uh, and uh, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who we talked about earlier. So you have to imagine they're maybe not interested. There were other rumors linking Boston as a possible destination for Patrick Kane. That one seems to have fizzled out a little bit. And then, of course, Max Dome, another uh, potential trade target. All signs point to him wanting to stay in Chicago and re-sign. We've seen this uh, report come up multiple times there for them. Uh, Jake McCabe could be an option as well. Obviously, Jonathan Tay's name has been circulated for a while, um, but most recently that speculation came to an end in part due uh, to the fact that he's not expected back until at least March. So he will have been sidelined for a you know significant chunk of time. Nobody's going to want to take on a $5 million cap hit without knowing what they're getting out of him. So unfortunately, sounds like Taves won't be able to return anything in, in terms of a trade for them. And you mentioned that Vladislav Gavrikov is a guy that is probably sought after by a lot of teams. He's a, de- a good depth piece on a contending team, but he's played a lot of frontline minutes for Columbus, and that's why he's being highly sought after. An expiring $2.8 million contract. But the name that we're starting to hear more of is teams that are looking for goalie insurance Yunus Corpusalo and an expiring $1.3 million cap hit. He's a 28-year-old goalie, so in the prime of his career, you would think. And if a team take, takes a chance on him, they might be in a situation where they, they are looking ahead as well as in turn, uh, into the short term for, for help in the net. So I'm kind of curious to see if he let, is let go because uh, Elvis Merce Lincolns is a guy on the books for $5.4 million over the next few years. So they're committing to him long term. And maybe a change of scenery for Corpusalo will get him a chance to get his, his career back on track for Columbus. But another thing that is a disturbing uh, trend is is the rather indifferent play of Patrick Line, AJ. This guy was second overall pick dra- in the draft year where uh, Austin Matthews went first overall. And boy, the gap between those two, the, those two guys has widened every season. And, and uh, this year it's culminated with, as I said, an indifferent level of play for a guy who should have been excited about the opportunity to play with a, uh, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau, who has arrived here, and he's pulled his weight uh, in terms of providing almost a point of game on a pretty dreadful team. But Line certainly hasn't lived up to that that end of the bargain either, and and so that's just one of a number of issues that this team has. He's on the books for eight point seven million dollars for the next three years. That's going to look like one of the league's worst contracts if he continues to play like he is right now. Some bad news out of Colorado this morning: Kale McCarr is back in the concussion protocol and will miss both Friday and Saturday's games uh, had been uh, dealing with, with an injury uh, from a high hit uh, when playing against the Penguins uh, rejoined the lineup, but uh, it looks like had another uh, collision and that has resulted in a follow-up concussion here. So the potential of two cushions in a relatively short time span within about two weeks of one another uh, is obviously a concern for them. They're only ruling him out now for the next two games, but again, back-to-back concussions uh, is a concern for, for long-term here. Gabriel Landeskog, most recent expectation is maybe mid-March, um, but that continues to be a maybe for them as well. So a lot of question marks for the Colorado Avalanche of, that hasn't really stopped them from uh, continuing to perform their six, two and two in their last 10 games with a three game winning streak. They sit third in the central. 
I think they should be more than uh, capable of securing a playoff spot here down the stretch. They do, of course, have Nathan McKinnon racked up nine points over the last two weeks uh, to really power this team through and be the leader that they need. They continue to get production out of some of their other defensemen. Bowen Byram had four points. Sam Garrard with five helpers, Devin Taze with three. So the other defensemen here are stepping up, but certainly there is no real uh, ability to replace a player like Cal McCarr. And in Dallas, you know, for much of the season, we were talking about this team being a threat in their division and this and that, and the very positive vibes. But the last four games have been losers for this club, and it couldn't come at a worse time because – their scoring has really dried up, AJ. You look at the game logs, and they've scored only five goals in their last four games. And the way they've got their offense set up, I'm not really a big fan of this. They have kind of spread things a little more thin than they, than they probably should when they're looking for goal scoring. They've got uh, Mason Marchmont in a second-line role, Ty Delandry in a second-line role with Tyler Sagan. And not to say there's a big drop-off to the third line with Wyatt Johnson Jamie Benn there, uh, Dennis Gurionov's had a terrible year for this club. I'd much rather see them take the best of the, the, that six-pack and form a second line that, that's more potent than, than either of these second and third units. That's something they've got to consider in the near term. And then defensively, they have to be really disappointed with the fact that Ryan Sutter is, is not uh, looking like the Ryan Sutter of his prime. His game's really fallen off. So they have more, more questions and answers at the moment, and, it, and it's hurting their, their performance and costing, causing them to fall back in the playoff on something that I didn't anticipate a couple of weeks ago. In Detroit, the key for them, I think, is going to be their next five games. They play today, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday, a back-to-back before we get to March. They are right in the mix of it. Uh, you look at the standings. Yeah, they show up as sixth in the wild card race here, but they've got 60 points and five games in hand compared to the Florida Panthers, just four points behind the Panthers. Of course, it's a, cl- a cluttered field here. The Sabres also sitting with uh, six games in hand compared to the Panthers, Washington with two, Pittsburgh with four. So what I'm saying is the Panthers probably find themselves in a playoff spot right now and the Islanders by extension solely because they've played more games and in some cases by a significant chunk. So Detroit, the question becomes, are they or are they not a playoff team? And I think the next five games are going to be crucial for them to decide that. And the key uh, player in this discussion is going to be Tyler Bertuzzi. You're looking at a guy uh, who has certainly offensive upside, comes with a cap hit that comes in at just $4.75 million. That could be reduced, obviously, closer to, you know, around two, you know, two and a half million here, give or take, um, with, with some retained salary. So this is certainly a player who would be very marketable, I would think, on the deadline. Obviously, though, if they're in playoff contention, they're not going to want to move him. Jacob Vrana getting called up by Detroit. He has not uh, really played at the NHL level, um, you know, much. Uh, let me double check. Uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't played for quite some time <laughs> since the opening two games of the year has been playing in the minors. But I think this is a way maybe to showcase him in the event uh, that, you know, somebody would want to take a look at him. Now, he does have one more year left on his deal. Uh, so there are some players that they could certainly move, but uh, then, you know, the question is, are they a playoff team or not? So again, the next five games, I think crucial for the Detroit Red Wings. Well, and you might say the same for the Edmonton Oilers, AJ, but for a far different reason. This is a team that should be 
uh, near the top of their division, and they are. That's a very cluttered uh, area in the top of that that grouping. But this team, uh, in terms of high-end talent, should be further ahead than they are, and that's just because they cannot find a, a defensive structure that they can maintain, and that's been a real key and very visible most recently as they've given up upwards of over 20 goals in their last four games, so just a horrible defensive showing, and yet the name that keeps popping up in terms of trade discussions with the Oilers is Eric Carlson, another one-way player. He's he's having the year that he has is because he's just about all offense, and if this team thinks that maybe they have to own the puck for a 60-minute game, maybe that's their best defense, because right now the group just doesn't play on the defensive side of the puck, and, and they have to do something to shore that up. And, you know, a defensive specialist in the back end might might be a, as wise a choice if they can come cheap. So I'll be curious to see what they do, if anything, to fix the structure of this team. But right now it's looking very flawed. And you look at the way the lineup is composed. Note that Evander Kane is out with a short-term injury, albeit. But that's forced them to rejuggle the lines. up. And the first line, if you can believe it, Connor McDavid is now scheduled to play with Jesse Pugliarvi and Warren Fogel. Warren Fogel's picked up his game a little bit of late since he played with, with McDavid. But how many tries is this for Pugliarvi, who, who is probably on his last lap with this club? And it wouldn't surprise me if he goes out the door with a higher cap hit than most others to give them some flexibility for a team that might want to take a chance on a guy who was a former high first-round draft pick. I think over in Florida, we'll see addition uh, simply by return from injuries. If they can get a veteran like Patrick Hornquist back, Anthony Duclair as well, both who have been sidelined long-term. Sam Bennett has missed a handful of games here recently uh, for the Panthers as well. So I think I would expect minimal, uh, minimal potential moves for the Florida Panthers, in part because they are pretty hard up against the cap. As it currently stands, they're already using – 5 million in uh, LTIR space. Now they do still have more available that they could use uh, in terms of LTIR relief if they were to try and make some sort of addition here, but they would have to be able to clear space for Duclair or Hornquist. If either of those guys gets healthy enough to come back Duclair, I think being the closer of the two. So um, there is certainly, I think, uh, some moves that they that they could make, but ultimately I think this team stands pretty quiet at the trade deadline. Of course, I could be shocked by by something they pull off, but their big moves, I think, were in the offseason when they brought in Matthew Tuchuk. And uh, when it comes to bolstering the defense, I'm hearing that Chikrin from Arizona is being linked to the Los Angeles Kings, and they might be able to fit him in because they have some actual deadline cap space more than most other teams to handle the money coming in but also giving him an opportunity to be with Drew Doughty, uh, the, the two-headed offensive monster that you'd like to see on a defensive depth chart. Right now, Doughty stands alone as a veteran who has some scoring upside from the blue line, and you're hard-pressed to find anybody else. So that's where I see the Chikrin situation heading, AJ. It makes the most sense to me. But in the meantime, Los Angeles is also doing themselves a good service on the ice. They've reeled off four straight wins, and they're showing off a high-octane offense that's been punctuated with the recent additions over the last couple of years of Adrian Kempe and Kevin Fiala joining Kopitar and Deneau and Arvidsson as uh, five very competent forwards, veterans who are all over 14 goals year-to-date. So that's the kind of production you want at the top end of your roster if you have any playoff aspirations. They are a little bit off their best uh, efforts in terms of 
the defensive structure, though, and the uh, the uh, stats for Quick and Copley, uh, the two guys that have been sharing the net in year to date, they reflect that. The Kings are probably capable of playing a better defensive structure than they've shown, and you wonder if this is a team that might be able to flip that switch and marry that with a with a better-than-average offense that's cooking right now. Minnesota obviously took on some cap uh, in that O'Reilly deal, and there's talk that they could continue to make similar moves uh, to to grab some space. The the technicalities of it are a little above my pay grade here, but I've seen upwards of the ability to take on uh, in some jostling anywhere between you know ten million dollars of of cap space is is what I've seen reported out there. So. Uh, They obviously have uh, the ability to take on some more of those picks. And then, of course, you know, maybe improving uh, the team itself as as another option here. They're uh, in the last wild card spot in the West. So they are in the the thick of it. Obviously, uh, Calgary being their biggest competitor. I think Nashville is still in it. St. Louis, maybe, you know, St. Louis mathematically still in it. But after dropping uh, those those two big players uh, certainly could be considered out of that one as well. So we'll have to see what Minnesota decides to do. Do they just add um, some cap space, take on some some more draft picks and, and prospects, or do they actually try and improve this team to make a deeper run? About a week ago, AJ, Arbor Jackye was involved in a, a spirited fight, but he got hurt in it, suffering an upper body injury, and the, the prognosis is not good for an early return. So one of the feel-good stories around the NHL, certainly the top one in Montreal, looks like it's beyond the wayside on the shelf, and that's unfortunate because he was probably one of the best aspects of this team this season with the story that he was writing. They still have the enigmatic Jonathan Drouin on the books here, but I think they're going to make a real concerted effort to find a way to dump him and uh, the remainder of his contract from the from the Montreal coffers, and it's going to be indicative of, of what they're going to try and do across the board, AJ. They've got some some big-ticket items and uh, some middling players who might be uh, in the in the dumper in terms of their willingness to move these guys out. Evgeny Dadanoff is another guy. Uh, Dadanoff and Druan, for instance, combining for over $5 million each uh, in, the, in the salary cap right now and certainly not returning anything near that. You think either one could be had for a, a mid to low draft pick and seeing if they, if they go to a new club, if they can find a way to, to come close to playing anywhere close to that what that salary might imply, but they got to get them off the books in Montreal and try and reap some some reward uh, from players coming in. Uh, uh, it's been a tough year for the Habs, but I think they they have a chance to add to a rather full cupboard in terms of draft picks, and that's really what it's going to be all about for them in the near future. But I, I think another cautionary tale, though, is they spent big money on a guy like Nick Suzuki, and I'm not here to rip him in half, but. He's on a $7.8 million cap hit right now for the next several years. And they were all set to give this guy a statue, but he's played like a statue in the last several weeks since, since Cole Caulfield went, went on the injured list. He's got four points in his last 13 games. That's your number one center in Montreal, folks. Nowhere near what he needs to be doing for this club right now. For New Jersey, they obviously are not uh, you know, projected to be sellers at the deadline here, not when uh, you're currently trying to track down Carolina uh, for first place in the Metropolitan Division. However, that hasn't stopped some rumors from creeping up, including the possibility that Mackenzie Blackwood would potentially be moved 
to the Kings uh, to bolster their def- uh, back end here. Now, Blackwood has still been getting plenty of opportunities. Not the starter. Vitek Vanasek is clearly the starter. But about every two, uh, every third game of late, except when there's a, a back-to-back, has been going to Blackwood. So he's getting plenty of action. He's looked relatively decent in those opportunities. So it's something to keep an eye on that maybe they could use that as a way to free up some cap space, maybe bring something back from the Kings that would potentially uh, bolster this club. They're pretty deep in terms of both the forward complement. Obviously, the goaltending is solid. I like their defensive group that's really led by Dougie Hamilton here. So I don't think there's a lot that they would really need. Um, So it could be more of a long-term move. Uh, Obviously, then they would have to either know that Jonathan Bernier was going to be back and ready to go, be willing to put an AHL netminder as a backstop, or potentially take back a goalie uh, from the Kings or another team. AJ, Nashville is in one of those awkward positions in terms of do we sell or do we buy? They're on the outside of the playoff hunt. They have a few games in hand on the teams that hold down those spots, but as I look at the overall standings right now, they sit with 58 points in 54 games. The last spot is held by Minnesota right now. They've played 56 games. They're seven points ahead. So Nashville's got a got a gap to make up, and uh, the later we get into a season, uh, the harder that's going to be. So they have a real dilemma, and uh, right now they have to be concerned about the fact they're not getting top-flight goaltending. Marc-Andre Fleury, a little bit off. In the, sorry, Soros is doing – I jumped the gun here. I'm talking about Minnesota. Soros is trying to keep these guys in, in the hunt here but they're not getting the overall defensive play that I think that they were used to seeing from this club. And that's really been a big problem because the offense is certain is certainly capable. They've got five guys with over a dozen goals. And so that should look after itself, but I'm seeing too many crooked numbers on the goals against, for instance, in the last four games, they've given up a total of 16 goals against. That's just not cutting it right now. It's no wonder they lost three or four. They've got to turn that around before they can think about any upward mobility. For Long Island, it's you know good news, bad news for them over the last two weeks. We talked about the Bo Horvat deal. Then they signed him to a long-term contract, uh, an eight-year, $68 million deal, uh, linking him to the club long-term. And then we find out that uh, Matthew Barzell is going to be out indefinitely. Conflicting reports. There was some initial concern, or reports rather, that it potentially was season-ending and could even linger into next year. That's been refuted of late, that it's more of a week-to-week injury. But regardless, losing a player like Barzell right after you bring in Bo Horvat, uh, I think gives the real possibility uh, that they could have made this huge trade deal and then don't make the playoffs. I mentioned all the teams chasing them with games in hand. Uh, they sit first in the in the wild card race. That that's still ten points behind the uh, the Rangers for uh, top three in the Metro. So I I would think they would be hard pressed to get there. Of course, mathematically they still could, but uh, it's a difficult time for the Rangers right now. They also have Josh Bailey has continued to deal with an injury, uh, so they are a banged up club right now. Despite having brought in a huge piece like Bo Horvat. Well, it's uh, you mentioned the Rangers. I think you meant the Islanders were injury riddled. The Rangers certainly have no injury issues at all in this roster, and it's no wonder they've only lost two of their last ten. The trouble is that those were the last two games they played that they lost. They were the hottest team in the league before that little blip, and so you wonder if they the 
the dealing with two Canadian teams recently has uh, stemmed that tide. They lost four to one against Winnipeg before losing an OT against Calgary. But I, I expect them to right that ship. They look to be one of the more talent, most talented teams in the league, and their offense is really clicking right now. Mika Zabinajad on fire. 30 goals, 30 helpers to lead this team with the goal-scoring department. Chris Kreider's picked up his pace a little bit. Uh, the 50-goal shooter from last year won't come anywhere close to that, but he's suddenly got 24 to be second in that lineup, and they've got about eight guys that have already – eight, nine guys that have got 10 or more. So their offense is spread pretty wide, and uh, they're getting solid performances up and down the lineup. And, and they've been afforded the opportunity to mix things up offensively. They've got a guy like Jimmy Vesey, who's not really a top six player, but he's playing first line minutes with Savannah Jett and Kreider right now. So it could be an interesting, sneaky, good DFS value play. Uh, you mentioned off the top, Vlad Tarasenko in the mix here, scoring regularly since he's moved on to this club. He's playing alongside Panarin and Trocek, Trocek. Uh, having another one of those sneaky good DFS value seasons uh, locked in at the second line center all season long. And they sp- their ability to spread this offense has been predicated on the emergence of Philip Heedle, who uh, has been coupled with a couple of other recent first uh, first round picks that have floundered a little more. Uh, he has risen above them to lock down a third line. He's playing with the other two guys right now in Capo Caco and Alex Le- Alexis Lepreniere, it would be something of a bonanza if the Rangers see those two guys pick up their games a little bit. And boy, that would that would make this one of the most fearsome three-line deep offenses in the NHL. Despite the fact that Ottawa would be pretty uh, hard-pressed to get into the playoffs here based on where they're at in the standings, uh, Pierre Dorian came out and basically like eliminated half their roster, maybe not that much, but uh, came out and said to Brincat, Hamannick, and Broussard are all unavailable, that they have no intent to trade them. Um, some good news on the injury front, Cam Talbot is off injured reserve, so he can go back to uh, playing in goal for them. Interestingly, like the whole situation with Broussard, we're not going to trade him, but then he was just a healthy scratch the other night. So it makes you wonder, like, are the GM and the coach on the same page? Um, but regardless, Broussard uh, – Quick shout out to him. He's getting drastically close to playing a thousand NHL games. Of course, if he continues to be a healthy scratch, it's going to take a while to get there. But um, by all accounts, he should hit that mark supposedly uh, with Ottawa because uh, he is off the trade board. Now, whether that's just Dorian actually saying that or if this is a way to just up the, the target price for those players, we'll have to see over the next two weeks. And in Philadelphia, of course, this is a team that is in also-ran status in the dog days for non-contending teams. AJ, this is a team that's gone 3-4-3 three, and three in their last 10 games, played, playing a little more competitively than they have early in the season, but it's much too little, much too late. Uh, we've talked about some of the feel-good stories here. Morgan Frost has had a nice uh, exposure for, in his first uh, regular turnaround in the NHL, 27 points in 57 games, and holding down a... a a top six role for much of the time there. So that's kind of where the future is focused on a guy like him. And uh, Nicholas Delorier, uh, bringing back memories of physical days of the Flyers, he's trying combined some truculence with, with a, a, a regular turn at physicality all season long. 99 points, he'll cross the 100 penalty, penalty minutes, rather. He'll cross the 100 mark. It's been a while since we've seen that from anybody in the NHL on a regular basis. But Delorier brings me think of the Broad Street bully days uh, for a player uh, of his ilk. So uh, kind of interesting to see that 
uh, emerge. But uh, on the, in terms of the trade front, I can see them moving JVR. He's a guy who's been around the league as a scorer, a power play specialist. James Van Riemsdyk is on the expiring $7 million cap hit right now. And I think there's a bunch of teams that could use his help as a power play specialist and maybe uh, sometimes in the top six uh, situations for those clubs. So now we'll take a bit of a break, AJ. This is the spot where we normally take a breather and uh, circle back to the remaining teams in our in our look around the league. But let's take a pause to give our sponsors some air time. We'll be back with some more news and notes from around the league. You're listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Well, I don't know about you, AJ, but I'm in the heat of a of a, a competitive fantasy sports season long season series of games right now, and I need to know that I'm making the right moves for my team's immediate future. But other teams in my league are looking for maybe long term, and so I I'm going to be dealing with trade offers in my own league and wondering which way to go. But we want to give our listeners a chance to make. Uh, make us assist them in evaluating their possible trades in the near next week or so evaluating fantasy trades across the board is one of the things I love to do when I get calls and questions from our listeners. And I know you weigh in uh, equally uh, as frequently, and uh, this is a week where things should heat up. So we need to get our weekly reminder out with that focus in mind. Please let our listeners know how to get in touch with us. Absolutely. If you want to uh, talk with us about your trade proposals, about hockey in general, about uh, any other of the sports that we discuss, we would love to interact with you over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJ Scholes24. You can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. If you're interested in trying out rotowire.com, you can go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's pod, P-O-D, and get a uh, 48-hour trial and test out the site that way, see what tools we have available for both season long and uh, daily hockey, as well as obviously sports betting and in other sports as well over there. So go ahead and check that out as well. All right, partner, get us going with the remaining clubs with a look at your favorite team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. What's going on there? Well, this team is in crisis mode, and uh, there are a multitude of four-letter words in which I would like to use to describe this team. <laughs> oh, no. I'm trying to avoid getting us an explicit rating on the podcast today, Paul. So I'm going to just keep it to the fact that uh, some good news that Tristan Jari is back and healthy. Um, looked uh, good for about two periods of hockey uh, before falling apart against the Islanders, giving up a pair of bad goals that led to a loss in a, a crucial uh, crucial matchup. They've played the Islanders in two of their last three games. They've suffered losses in both of those. Wins there would have put them well in uh, place for uh, a wild card spot over, over the Islanders. So this is a team that does not look good. Um, right now, I have not heard much of anything regarding any sort of move, but as always, um, as has been the case for many, many years, the, the prospect pool is pretty light. Their only real trade value is probably their first round pick, which uh, the the GM Ron Hextel has said he doesn't want to trade that first round pick. Uh, so from there, it's it's a pretty 
thin selection of options that they would be able to move or or get somebody to bite on. So uh, I'm not sure what uh, the answer is for Pittsburgh right now. The bottom six is pretty subpar. The goaltending has been pretty bad as well uh, for the most part. Hopefully Jari can shake off some of that rust and they can start playing 60 minutes of hockey. This team all season long has been playing anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes of good hockey. Um, but as we all know, it's a 60-minute game. And AJ, I mentioned the Pacific Division out out closely ranked the top four teams are there we got vegas with 72 points la with 71 edmonton with 68 the team that's in third place right now is the second year expansion club seattle kraken they've fallen on a bit of hard times most recently going four five and one in their last 10 games played so i don't know if it's a case of a lot of guys who aren't used to getting top six minutes getting a little tired here something to watch for in the, in the next few weeks to see if that continues but in the meantime i think they've got to be shoppers uh, looking to make make some additions at the trade deadline for a, t- a season that's gone better than I think they hoped at the beginning. And uh, they want to reward their players in the room. There's a lot of talk around the league about doing that. Uh, man, general managers' hands being forced by the fact that their teams can kind of overachieve. I put Seattle in that camp, and I look for them to be a team that adds to the likes that they have in, the, in their top end of their lineup. Certainly, you've got good performances out of Jordan Eberle uh, with 45 points to lead the club. But I think uh, my eyes have been opened up with Vince Dunn uh, really picking up the slack and taking over the role as a power play quarterback here. 40 points on the season for a career best season from him. And it looks like they had the odds on favorite to be the rookie of the year in Matty Berniers to lead this this offense. And uh, they've got a really good year out of out of their goaltending tandem here as well, AJ, that has kept them in the hunt all season long. So you want to see a team like this be rewarded. I mean, Philip Gubar now getting healthier and he's spelling Martin Jones. So that's a pretty good one-two punch in the Nets. Jones rehabilitating his career. And I think I'd like to see Seattle try and add to this mix to see if they can improve their standing in this division and the playoff run. Well, if the two big fish uh, on the board were uh, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, the third is definitely Timo Meyer of uh, the, the San Jose Sharks. He's been linked to a multitude of teams uh, recently. Canes, Devils, uh, was originally linked to a potential move to the Rangers, although uh, in light of the Tarasenko trade, that uh, has, has kind of fizzled out there, uh, understandably. Most recently, I saw uh, reports that uh, the St. Louis Blues, who you'll talk about here in a second, could actually be interested in Timo Meyer, despite the fact that it seems like they were selling some of their best players. Um, they would have the cap space now at this point to potentially sign him to a long-term deal starting with next season. Uh, so they may be in the mix on the Timo Meyer hunt. Whether he wants to go to a team that's not in the playoffs uh, would be a pretty a uh, big question mark for him, no doubt. Uh, I'm not totally certain off the top of my head here what sort of trade protections he might have. Doesn't look like he has any sort of no trade, no movement clause. So he won't have a lot of say in the matter here. So that's good news um, for the San Jose Sharks. Obviously, you mentioned Eric Carlson earlier could be linked to multiple places, including Edmonton being one of those stops. Yeah, I think from the St. Louis point of view, they have to change over from what was one of the older clubs in the league. And, and bringing in a guy like Meyer, who is he, he's in his mid-20s, would seem to fit in with that. And now that they have shed some contract money, they might have some space to do something with him. And uh, 
the the key there though is he he'd need to see something else more than his arrival to St. Louis to figure out on the direction of the team and just how competitive they might be. So that's a bit of a wrench in in the, the Timo Meyer sweepstakes that almost make doesn't make a lot of sense on first blush, but he, he would have to have some questions answered before he recommits to a club like that next season. So something to watch in addition to what's going on on the ice. Certainly they have to be pleased with the fact that the uh, the top end of the scoring is lists Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. I mean, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but it bears repeating. These guys were depth players on this roster a couple of years ago, and they've moved their way up in the ranks, and they've surpassed guys like Braden Shen and and uh, the departed Ryan O'Reilly to handle much of the scoring upside. So uh, good on them for developing in-house, but they have some real work to do in terms of changing over on the fly. And uh, maybe one of the question marks that they have to figure out is just how good a situation do they have in the nets with Thomas Grice and more importantly, Jordan Bennington, who's had a subpar season by his standards. Uh, the goal's against oh, well over three per game. And he's getting a reputation for being a bit of a hothead that kind of makes makes him less attractive as well. So they've got some work to do internally to figure out just what they have. But uh, it's also made a little more complicated by, in terms of a good evaluation by the fact that they're missing right now Brandon Saad and Pavel Nevich, two players who figure it to be top six players on this team. So some questions to be answered in St. Louis and maybe some direction, uh, the uncertainty, with particularly with this most recent rumor that you mentioned. For the Lightning, I think this is just, uh, for the most part, going to be you know status quo for them. Maybe a minor tweak here or there, but uh, they're right in the, the thick of things with uh, Toronto. And really, what we're discussing here is who gets home ice advantage for almost certainly uh, the, the decision that's coming up here. Boston is so far ahead of uh, both Toronto and Tampa, and then the Panthers are so far behind uh, about nine points back from from the Lightning here. So I think it comes down to uh, which of these two teams finishes second uh, in order to have home ice advantage against each other. So um, pretty tight uh, grouping there. And so I don't expect a lot of tweaks. Obviously, this Tampa Bay team has had a lot of success. They've got Vasilevsky still. They've got Kucherov and, uh, you know, Stamkos, uh, uh, on the back end, Hedman and Sergachev, they've got all the pieces that they need that they've used the last couple of years to to make uh, deep runs to win some Stanley Cups. So I don't see a lot of tweaks coming for this team uh, at the deadline here. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, probably keeping Vasilevsky as fresh as possible, which they've managed pretty well. You look at his numbers uh, only once. In the last uh, five seasons, has he gone over 60 games? So we should, could see a little bit more Brian Elliott down the stretch, which I don't think is a huge concern for them. Elliott's numbers are pretty good, 9-3-2 and two, uh, in 14 appearances, 2-9-0 is the save percentage, about what you would ask for for your backup netminder there. So I don't expect to see a lot of action from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, and in terms of the Maple Leafs, two things. You've already seen them make a trade to upgrade their offense. They needed to find somebody to plug in to their top six or at least lengthen the roster. They got that player in Ryan O'Reilly. I still think while he's played uh, the first two games as a center on the second line, I think his eventual spot is going to be on the third line of this team. And it's really because of the matchup against Tampa where they have a bottom six that is uh, looks on paper to be superior to what the Leafs and many other teams have particularly in the toughness category. But they, when they can ice a guy like Corey Perry in there, 
third line who has a real presence on the power play as well. That's a real asset to have. And and then Nick Paul has emerged as a pretty good checking forward. You need something to neutralize that. And the presence of Brian O'Reilly in that grouping will will do that for the Maple Leafs. And I think coupling him with the likes of Kelly Yarncock and Pierre Engvall makes a lot of sense for me on a third-line unit. Uh, David Camp is in that third-line role right now, and he's been in a long scoring slump. They want to upgrade from that, and I think he's better suited to a fourth-line role. Maybe you see a guy like Alex Kerfoot move up into a third-line or maybe even a second-line role on the wing and reunite him with Marner and Tavares. So there's some some uh, juggling that's gonna, we're going to see offensively, but there's also a need to boost the talent level and maybe the physicality on the back end. And the name that I'm hearing linked to the Leafs very routinely uh, is Vancouver's Luke Shen, who was with the Leafs uh, initially as a top five pick in the draft in his draft year many years ago, but leading the league or among the league leaders in hits and a, a guy who makes the front of the net a minefield. That's been a gaping hole in the Leafs arsenal right now. It's it's a free-for-all in front of the Leaf net because they don't have a physicality on the back end and they need to answer that question. They have ample opportunity to do so before the trade deadline. I think that's something to watch for. Yeah, in Vancouver, I think it's really down to uh, the defensemen here. Obviously, Oliver ekman Larson seems to be a name that is constantly uh, referred to as a potential trade uh, piece, although he is currently week-to-week with an ankle injury. Sounds like, based on our timeline, might not be ready in time to, to truly be traded. So if he's off the board, then it comes down to the aforementioned Luke Shen and then Tyler Myers as well. Uh, taking a look at Shen, you mentioned potential interest from Toronto. He's also been tied uh, to the Capitals, uh, to the Bruins, uh, as well as uh, the Calgary Flames. Initial reports that potentially Tampa Bay was a landing spot, but they've uh, cooled on that. So Shen really tied to a number of teams right now about where he could land. For Tyler Myers, uh, you've got uh, the Leafs have also shown interest in Myers as uh, so. They've uh, it sounds like they've at least discussed the potential basis for a deal. How that would all work out remains to be seen. But I think those are about the two names. You know, Vancouver, uh, to steal your term, Paul, is one of the also rands of the league right now. Um, They've got uh, their main pieces locked up for, you know, multiple years. Uh, Quinn Hughes has five years remaining. Uh, you've got JT Miller's got an eight year deal about to kick in. Uh, Elias Pettersson is probably the closest to needing a new contract uh, with just two years left, um, but he's RFA after that. So um, there's not a lot that they need to do. I think for them, it's about finding the right combination to get this young team headed in a better direction. Obviously losing Thatcher Demko for as long as he's been out has been a problem for them as well. Well, and the and the Knights of Las Vegas are in the throes of that uh, race in their division for a playoff spot. They have an interesting situation, though, with Mark Stone on the LTIR. It's and it, very likely that he's out for the rest of the regular season. Might be one of those situations where they're doing this with some intent to make sure he's healthy on one hand, but also to use that space to acquire a big fish. And I'm thinking of Patrick Kane here, AJ, with his two preferred destinations seemingly coming off the boards. To me, the dotted line between him and and this opportunity in Vegas might be the best one for him to be a part of a team that has a chance at a long playoff run. Can you imagine adding Stone and Kane to your uh, playoff hopes? I don't think any team in the league could boast the two offensive pieces 
like those to help them at the trade deadline. So that's one situation that I'm looking at for the Vegas club. And certainly getting a healthy team in, in tow is central to that. Uh, they have issues in the nets, though, uh, that are really a concern right now. Laurent Bossois and Michael Hutchison are the goalie tandem of record with Aiden Hill deemed to be out of the lineup, though he's pretty close to a return, they hope. And uh, he he didn't practice on early this week, but I understand that it's not a long-term situation and uh, that he should be back in time to help. But they, they might be a team that's looking for maybe a goalie. And maybe you see Jonas Corposalo head here as well, if I'm looking at uh, trade possibilities that might plug uh, a very important gap in the Vegas situation. Obviously, uh, there's no good time to have to go through personal issues. But with Alex Oveskin away from the team right now following the passing of his father, that club has dropped four straight, and they are 3-7-0 and oh in their last 10 games, uh, dropping out of the playoff hunt. Now, again, as I mentioned off the top, they've got a couple games in hand, not as many as some of their contemporaries around them in the standings. So getting Ovechkin back um, as soon as he is ready is going to be a, a big key for this team. John Carlson continues to be sidelined. He's been skating in, in full gear, um, but he hasn't uh, – hasn't started practicing with the team. There's no clear timeline on when he might be back. That would be another huge addition for them. Um, so I think that's, you know, the biggest issue for this team right now. They're going to get Nick Dowd back tonight, more of a depth option, but really bolsters their bottom six. And he returns following a 12 game stint on the sidelines. Um, they've had Tom Wilson back now. Uh, TJ Oshie is back. So they are starting to get healthy. And really, I think the key piece for them is whether they're going to get John Carlson back or not. And if not, then I think they need to go out and maybe try and address that key piece at the deadline here. You know, with Carlson on LTIR, you get eight million in uh, potential, you know, up to eight million in cap relief there. I think they could make uh, a pretty significant uh, addition on the blue line here if he's going to be sidelined heading into the postseason. And in Winnipeg, it looks like they're peaking at the right time in terms of health. Uh, that's one aspect that they've had trouble with all season. But, but their top six is intact again for one of the few times this year. Nick Ehlers is flying right now. Mark Shifley's playing very well. The interesting move that they did make among their top six, though, is to plug in Mason Appleton on the second line. There's a very good value play in DFS if you're looking for cheap dollars to put a plug in. You can do a line stack with this team. Uh, Shifley on at center, Connor on one wing, and Appleton on the other one. Uh, Connor and Shifley handling a lot of the offense for this club of late. They've got a very solid second line, though, that, as I say, Nikolai Ehlers back in the fold and back and healthy. He's playing alongside Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler. That's one of the more formidable top sixes in the league when you think about it. And uh, they're really hoping to strengthen, I think, the bottom six. So I think any any additions that I look for on this team will be to bolster the fortunes because right now I'm not too too stoked about a lineup that includes Adam Lowry, San Gagne, Morgan Brown, Saku Manalainen, Carson Kuhlman, Kevin Stenlund, you get the idea. I mean, you couldn't identify most of these guys in a police lineup, AJ. If you're looking for offense from them, you're really in trouble. So I think that's something that of a hole that Winnipeg has to go, go and fill because I like the depth on defense. Certainly they have to be pleased that Neil Bianca has, has picked up his scoring and looked 
like he's got the boo birds off his back. He was the subject of a lot of bad press in the local media because he's been underperforming. But when they've got him going now and Josh Morrissey has just set a club record for offense from the blue line, I think that hole has been plugged. And uh, we don't need to say anything anything about Connor Hellebuck, do we? He's still one of the best goalies in the league and having another very solid season all of a sudden. So that takes us through the 32 teams once again, AJ. Uh, We're back to our usual format. And with that, now we'll swing over to our DFS look at tonight's schedule, a busy slate of games. And uh, there's some compelling options here. When I look at the possibilities, I'm wondering what you came up with for your DraftKings lineup. Yeah, um, it's going to sound like a, a, a Paul Bruno special. I went uh, surprisingly heavy on Toronto. It wasn't really my intention, but I saw a couple of pieces that uh, I just couldn't pass up on here. And that starts for me at center. Ryan O'Reilly comes in at just 4,100 over on DraftKings, the matchup with Buffalo, uh, who do give up a decent amount of shots, a decent amount of goals as well. Um, they've had a lot of wins where they contribute some offense as well, um, but they're, they lack uh, a, a defensive side of their game. Uh, I spent up very heavily at the wing, so I had to go cheap and find a discount option for my other center here. I went with Jonathan Druin. Uh, he's playing center over in Montreal, technically on a third-line role, but I like the fact that he's with Yoel Armia and Mike Hoffman in that spot. And you look at the numbers – No goals in his last five games since returning from injury, but 15 shots on goal over that stretch, five assists, including two with the man advantage. So I think uh, there's some value to be had out of Druin here, especially when he comes in at 2,700. That's just so cheap uh, for what you're getting out of him. The wings uh, department is where I spent up. I'll start with Nikita Kucherov. 7,700 is the price tag. The Anaheim Ducks are allowing almost 50 goals uh, per or 50 shots per game, as I mentioned at the the start of the show. So I got Kucherov in there. He should be a key piece of that. And then I went uh, heavy Toronto from here on uh, out with the rest of this lineup. I've got Willie Nylander in at 7,200 and John Tavares at 7,100. Couldn't quite figure out how to get Matthews in there as well. Um, But I think having, you know, several pieces of that top power play unit in, you know, Tavares and Nylander, uh, I think will pair up well. Again, Buffalo conceding a lot of shots here. Uh, for my defense, I went big, uh, big and small here. Started with Dougie Hamilton for the New Jersey Devils, 7,700. He just continues high volume shots, great matchup facing Montreal, um, putting up points as well. And then uh, I went back to the that Leafs power play a bit of a stack here. We have Ryan O'Reilly on that second power play unit and Connor Timmons playing with him in that group. Timmons just 2,900 here. So just trying to take advantage of a matchup uh, and maybe some power play minutes for them. Uh, my other utility spot, I grabbed Phil the Thrill Kessel at 3,200. Numbers definitely down this season. I don't think there's any arguing that. But again, you look at kind of the recent uh, recent run of form here. He's got five points in his last six games, 15 shots on goal, including uh, seven shots against the Islanders recently. And they're going up against Chicago, a team that should be uh, a bit of an easier matchup here. In fact, Kessel had a goal and four shots the last time they faced the Blackhawks. So I think this is a good opportunity to use him. And then between the nets, I I wanted to spend down just because I did go so heavy on the wings. 
And I went with Vili Huso here for Detroit. Uh, I mentioned that Washington has really struggled of late. I think Huso could be a, a low end option um, that maybe they don't have to worry about. Uh, you know, they don't have to worry about some of the heavy hitters here. Uh, shot totals have been pretty high of late. So if he can kind of minimize the goals allowed in the two range, you should get some value and potentially a win out of Vili Huso. All right, AJ, that's an interesting look. I would have thought that I would have come up with more leafs than you, but I didn't, obviously. I'm, I'm a little more nervous about a trip to Buffalo. It's the house of horrors for this club over the last, well, since in, the inception of the Buffalo franchise, if you want to really be honest. <laughs> They've had a terrible time uh, with their with their cross-border uh, cross rivals. And uh, I, I think every time they match up with the Sabres, it's, it's viewed almost as a Stanley Cup game for the the, the Buffalo crowd and the Buffalo team. So I went a little lighter on the club, but I did manage to put a couple of guys in. I did also surprise myself that I had enough room to include the hottest scorer in the entire NHL. And that's, that's uh, Connor McDavid. So uh, I'm looking at, at him in the, in the center spot on the top line. And uh, I, I think Pittsburgh, Philadelphia is due for uh, a big goal total against. So I'm looking at, uh, at McDavid to be a part of that. And I also plug in one of his wingers, Warren Fogel, on, on the wing for $3,800 to temper that $10,100 price tag. So uh, two forwards in there from the Edmonton's top top line totaling less than $14,000 is a little more palatable when you average it out. I did include Ryan O'Reilly as uh, a player from the Maple Leafs against the Sabres. I couldn't look away from that $4,700 price tag and remind listeners that he did play in Buffalo, so he knows his way around uh, the Queen City and and will be fired up to uh, represent the, the visitors tonight in what should be a very emotional contest. Then uh, Jesper Bratt, all my guys here, I should note, AJ, are no worse than second-line players on their their respective clubs. So that was something that I really focused on here in terms of putting my lineup together, as well as the matchups that they face. And I think it's a lopsided one for the visitors as the Devils go to Montreal tonight, and I think they're going to overwhelm the Habs. And so I have uh, good vibes when I think about putting Jesper Bratt in there for $7,200, one, perhaps my most important uh, most expensive winger uh, of record. And so uh, I'm happy with that choice. But then on the flip side, I look at Raphael Harvey Pinard, who's been on a, a scoring sensation since debuting with the Habs. And I think he'll be the guy that scores. Hey, they, they lose, but they get a goal or two. I think he'll factor in to one or both of them the way he's been playing. He's been that productive. $4,700, the cheap price tag for a guy who's going to get first line minutes and hopefully wake up Nick Suzuki. I uh, panned him earlier, but maybe he sets him up for a goal here tonight. Then I go to Tampa and Anaheim. I think the, the Bolts are overwhelming favorites as the visitors tonight, and that means that you'll see Victor Hedman front and center. I expect him to be very productive offensively, playing first line, first pairing minutes and first line on the power play, $6,700, the price tag there. I don't normally go that high for defensemen, but this is too good of a matchup that I didn't want to avoid it entirely. And then I... I look at the Maple Leafs and in Buffalo, one guy who's picked up his game finally looking like he's he's back to full health is Morgan Riley. I was a little bit concerned with his first few games off the injured list, but I'm satisfied now that he's at or near the top of his game, and that means a regular turn on the power play and 20 to 25 minutes of hockey every night for one of the league's better offensive defensemen and a chance, as you said, to feast on a team that doesn't play very well when the puck is in their own end. Then I uh, went a little bit off the board in terms of uh, 
teams that I'm looking for big nights. I'm looking for Detroit to eke out a win against Washington. The Caps have, have been in a little bit of disarray. You mentioned about Ovechkin missing from this lineup, and I think that's going to translate to a troublesome night for the home side. And Cop holding down a second line in Detroit's offense, which has picked up their game of late, is a good situation for him, costing only $4,100 to plug him in. I did mention Warren Fogle as my other uh, extra forward for $3,800. I like his situation beside Connor McDavid. Uh, I think I have a chance to score against Philadelphia tonight. And then finally, you tipped me off while I was rhyming off the lineup that Marc-Andre Fleury is not going to be the goaltender of record. I'll pivot to Gustafsson, who's actually outplayed the the Minnesota veteran and, and use him as my starter of note against the LA Kings. The Kings, as I said, have been scoring a lot of goals in the most recently in their games. I think they're due for to come off that, and it could come at the expense of a Minnesota club that is the most physical club in the league, make for a grinding game and a low-scoring game, and that will suit me just fine to try and pick up a win, a win with Gustafsson, and that's for me. So with that, AJ, we're poised to look forward to a lot of trade rumors the rest of this week, and we still have to find out the outcome for players like Carlson, Chikrin, Meyer, Gavrikov, and Kane. I expect most of those guys to be in different sweaters next week. Salary cap limitations are going to be a factor. We already saw how a third party is going to climb into the mix here. And LTIMR money will also be a factor with players like Stone and Muzzin sidelined long-term to give a, a team their teams uh, more money to play with at the trade deadline. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I know you are as well, pal. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the most exciting uh, parts of the the year for for me. Um, really fun to see uh, what teams do and and how they uh, shape uh, shake up their their lineups here and what we get in terms of deals and stuff. So we're we're pretty excited about it. And you know, before we sign off, I'll I'll tip off our listeners that we're not going to go and talk about thirty two teams every week going forward because once the trade deadline is over, it's going to be pretty clear that some teams are clearly in the also ran category. We use that term throughout the show, and we're going to let those teams drop by the wayside unless there's something really notorious that they do in any of the upcoming weeks. But we want to really focus on the contenders to the postseason race, and that's going to heat up in the next week and certainly in the coming weeks. And we know you're going to hang around and listen to us on a weekly basis to get all the tidbits that you need to get uh, ahead of the game in, in your fantasy hockey planning. We remind you uh, that we are grateful for your listening to us on the Rotowire podcast with Statsman and AJ. We look forward to providing you with more information in the coming weeks. And with that, we sign off today. You can follow me, I'll remind you, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJ Scholes 24. We look forward to helping you out as uh, this key week unfolds. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. In the meantime, we wish you well. So long, everybody.